0: Good afternoon. Good, five of you want to say that back to me. Good. Um, it's really good to be among you today. I was just thinking, um, my name is Rick. Sorry, I'm part of the leadership team here at Central. And um, Some of you have been tracking with us for a while, and some of you are maybe new or relatively new among us, so you're really, really welcome. I was just thinking as we we're singing how I need this, you know, I need this time. And I, uh, In my week where I look up, you know, I'm reminded that in the... Midst of brokenness, and in, in my world, in your world, that you know, I need to be reminded that there's hope and there's hope beyond me, or you know, circumstances that I see. And uh, I'm reminded that it's good to that life's not all about me, you know. And I get reminded that actually there's others here, and we're sharing and we're um, communicating truths to God and we're discovering truths from God. And and that's what we're going to do for the next 20 minutes or so, Um, we're going to open. The Bible, and we're going to um, think about what God might want to say to us. We've been tracking through the, this little part at the start of Matthew, which is like just at the start of the second half of the Bible, and it's, uh, it's some words that Jesus spoke. Whenever he was on earth, um, no one is a Sermon on the Mount. We've called it the Manifesto. And it's basically Jesus outlining some key things that he wants his followers to believe, but also to live. So that's what we're going to do for the next 20 minutes. We'll be in Matthew 6 in a moment. And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's totally okay. And it'll be up on the screen to help us. But just before we dive into some of those words, um, I, I became a Christian when I was a teenager. And uh, I began to listen to some pretty overtly Christian music because I thought that's what I, I should do. Uh, and these were the before the days of, you know, you may have heard of some of the, you know, these were the days of, like, before the days of Hillsong or, or Bethel or Chris Tomlin or Phil Wickham. These were the days of the Christian rock band and, uh, and these were the heady days of people like Stephen Curtis Chapman or Amy Grant or Michael W. Smith or bands like Third Day or Newsboys or Sonic Flood. Some of you are looking at me like you have no idea what I'm saying. Some of you are smiling because you too lived in the Christian ghettos. It was the 90s and, uh, and, and you're part of it with me, okay? But one of those bands who was really influential um, were a band called DC Talk, okay? Some of you are laughing already, okay? And DC Talk were a bit of a strange collection of, I think, a little bit of soft rock kind of mixed with some sort of Christian rap. Um, and it, it actually worked then. It doesn't work now. But they were most famous for a song called Jesus Freak, which was really influential, incredibly. And, uh, but there's another song that they wrote called What If I Stumble, and, uh, and it began with a spoken section, so before the music comes in, it began with like a 15-second little spoken bit that one of the band members, I think, read out. And I probably listened to that on repeat a lot, and so because of that, the words are lodged. I didn't even need to Google it, okay, but I was able to write down or type out what that thing was. And I want to read it because it's so, um, it's just right on the money for what we're thinking about today from Matthew chapter 6. So it begins with this. The greatest single cause of—does athe- anyone else know where I'm going? A couple of you, okay, good. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus by their lips and walk out the door and deny Him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable ding, 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 ding. All right, okay. So so I listened to that over and over again, and I knew it, okay. And I don't know if the statement is 100% true or not, okay. Sometimes it's like, oh, is that really true? I don't know. But I do know that Jesus speaks really, really strongly about hypocrisy, and that's what we're thinking about today. Hypocrisy that damages our walk, but also damages our witness out there. Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their songs or their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their or our lifestyle. And what I think it's saying is that many people turn away from Jesus, not because of unbelief in him, but actually because of hypocrisy in his people. Christians who acknowledge Jesus by their lips and deny him by their lifestyle. And that's exactly what Jesus is addressing In Matthew chapter 6, the next part of the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm going to read it and hopefully the words will appear on the screen so that you know I'm not making this up. Um, Matthew chapter 6, 1 to 8. Be careful, Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Some challenging words from Jesus. Um, These aren't just nice words, you know, um, but these are challenging words, not just you know, to us as well, i thank God for his word. I wonder if you can imagine a world, okay, just try to do this, okay, it might be difficult for you, but I wonder if you can try to imagine a world where people presented themselves in a much better light than the reality was in private. I mean, can you imagine such a world, Uh, a world that's so primitive, where people were so desperate to show their best side that they used filters and Photoshop, okay? Imagine a world where people exposed their best ideas and kept their worst secrets hidden. Imagine a world where others did good works and then publicized them to others, Can you imagine a world where people talked about God more than they talked to God? I mean, can you imagine that? I'll bet you can, because I can, and I live in it. The Bible speaks right into that world today. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus describes some people who give to the needy and announce it with trumpets, which is slightly bizarre. Okay, I don't do that part. Okay, but they give to the needy and they announce it. They, they pray public prayers in order to impress others, and they display their great works for everyone to see. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I began and I talked about some Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and deny him with their lifestyle, some hypocrites. You know, for some of us, we're thinking, you know, these are nasty people that Jesus is talking to. These Pharisees who he was really addressing, you know, we think of these hypocritical Pharisees whose only care was for their own reputation. Or we think of these religious do-gooders who were so up themselves and so down on everyone else, and we think these nasty, nasty people, and we're glad Jesus was, you know, had strong words for them. You know, do right, Jesus. We're we're with you in this. But if I'm honest, in reality, I'm often one of them. And perhaps you can be too. Not because I want to be like the Pharisees, but just because sometimes I am. I've got three words. Of course, they begin with the same letter. And, uh, and so the first word is fallen, okay? Because today, we need to realize that we are who Jesus is addressing. It's not someone else. Well, it is someone else, but it's us too. Because we are fallen. You know, we can't point the finger or shift the blame, but the reality is that each of us have areas in our lives where our actions don't measure up to our words, Have you ever sent a text to say you'll be five minutes late when really you know it's going to be 15? You know, maybe you might make a commitment to someone and then back out of it. Or maybe you sing in church, I surrender all to Jesus and then really hold on tightly to your wallet. Or we affirm that we are made in God's image and then look down our nose at someone else who doesn't look like us or think like us or act like us. Or we smile at someone's face and then we tear down their reputation behind their back. Jesus isn't saying, okay, he's not saying watch out for the hypocrites. He's saying that there's hypocrisy in all of us. There's a little bit of the Pharisees in all of us. The problem is not them, it's me. And we don't like to talk about it very much, but we are fallen. And it's because I'm fallen that I seek praise. It's nice. It's because I'm fallen that I, I try to be seen in a better light than, than some other people. It's because I'm fallen that I choose to sometimes please people rather than carry out God's will. You know, we're, we're not puffed up in God's sight. God's not impressed by, you know, a couple of actions that we do week by week. He's not impressed. Nothing that we do impresses him in order that he might think, oh, uh, you know, they're 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 good. You know, we we don't put across the best version of ourselves. We should acknowledge our brokenness and our weakness. You know, it's not about living our best life, for example, but it's about relying on the brilliance and the beauty of Jesus instead. When it comes to hypocrisy, I'm guilty and I need Jesus. And perhaps you do too, Uh, but there's another danger in this fallen side, okay? And the danger is, is the danger of extremes, okay? And the, the danger of the other extreme is that we don't want to be labeled hypocritical. We don't want to be, you know, um, described like like one of these people. Or we don't want to be the Christian who acknowledges Jesus with their lips and walks out the door and denies him with their lifestyle. So because of that, we just won't acknowledge him with our lips, <laughs> You know, the danger is the other extreme and going, well, I don't want to be labeled as a hypocrite, so I better not say anything about my faith or say anything about Jesus. And, and because we know our our actions won't measure up to our words all the time, we remain silent. The more public we are about our faith, we think the more damage we'll do. But I don't think Jesus wants us to become secret Christians either. He, he doesn't want us to retreat into a corner in case someone criticizes us. I used to play football and uh, I remember one uh, Saturday afternoon I, I I knew, kind of knew the guy, in the, one of the guys in the opposing team because I lived um, near him or I, I'd kind of grown up around him and uh, I went in for a tackle that I was pretty pleased it was a hard tackle and I thought I got the ball but I maybe didn't uh, but I was trying my best and I, you know, I, I was, I was a genuine attempt to get the ball and I, didn't really get the ball at all, and I cleaned him out, and he stood up afterwards, and he said, and he kind of shoved me as he walked past, and he goes, call yourself a Christian. And I was like, that's just harsh, you know, and so, the, and, and at times the world actually holds us to, to I don't want to say too high an account, but at times the world can be, you know, harsh and, and point fingers at us, and, and have too unrealistic expectations, but I don't think, I just think that's one of the things that we live with, as followers of Jesus, and I don't think we can control always what they think but i think we can control how we try to live jesus doesn't want us to become secret christians he knows we're fallen and there is grace for us in that that's why i started here okay because we'll think a little in a few moments about what we can do and how we can live but we need to realize that there is grace for us we are fallen and as a church, you know, when we when we spend time together like this or, or, or in other spaces like communities, you know, we need to know that one another has fallen as well. And so I know there are amazing people in this church. I know that there's amazing people in your communities, you know, and they are, they're brilliant, but we are, we're also fallen. And so whenever someone maybe doesn't acknowledge us like we think they should or doesn't respond to us in the way that we would love them to, in that moment, we need to allow a little bit of grace for each other as well. Oh, you know, that, they annoyed me tonight at that community. I'm not going back. Uh, or actually, that, that person, I wanted them to speak to me on Sunday, and I'm done with it. And at times, we need to give grace for one another. And so the danger of the kind of two extremes is that, yes, Jesus wants our lives to match up to what we say. Of course he does. We will not give a perfect example. Sorry, the other extreme is we won't give a perfect example, but we can always give a personal one. And I just think it maybe involves us acknowledging our fallenness to God, to each other, to ourselves, and the others as well. And that involves acknowledging our weakness rather than insisting or, 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 or you know, showing how, how strong we are or emphasizing our strength. You know what? As Christians, if we're Christians, you know, and we're trying to convince other people, I don't think they'll always be convinced by, you know, all our brilliant arguments. They might not even be always convinced about the amazing strength in our lives. But I think the more we can acknowledge our brokenness and our weakness, then people will see the need of Jesus in my life and in our lives. So we're fallen. This passage also talks about foundations, doesn't use that word, but I think it's talking about foundations, okay? It's a, I mean, this passage, these eight verses are basically commands about two things, okay? Giving and praying, okay? The passage is about giving to God and praying to God, but actually it drives way deeper than that. So I don't want to just talk today about how you should give more to God and pray more to God, although I think we should, but, but actually we need to drive deeper into the heart of And where we find, where we go to for motivation. Are our foundations built on the affection of others or the affection for God, of God, sorry? Are we motivated to carry out the wants of people or the will of the Father? See, so much of what Jesus is saying here focuses on things that are unseen rather than what is obvious. And that's why it's foundations foundations aren't seen. No one rocks up at a brilliant building and goes, can you show me the foundations, please? You know, they're, they're admiring the, well, I don't know what they're admiring, but bricks or mortar or windows or design, you know, and, and amazing buildings. They're looking at those things and they're admiring those, but nobody's admiring foundations. But obviously, without those foundations, those buildings are use, useless. And Jesus is urging his followers, focus on what's on Rather than what's obvious, he tells his followers, and this is some of the things in this passage, tells them to give in secret, to pray in private, to fast without a hint, and to place their emphasis on the eternal rather than the temporal. You know, in a world where people share photos of their plate before a meal, or their body after a workout, and their front door every single September for the first week, constantly, and these words are really countercultural. They're they're countercultural, you know. In a society where we're tempted to expose our every thought, and action, or highlight, we must ensure that we avoid the the lure of public exposure as the motivator of our actions. Notice I didn't say we're to avoid exposing those things. They're not to be the motivator of our actions. It might be countercultural to embrace being in the shadows rather than being in the spotlight but it might just be the way of Jesus. It might be tempting to do otherwise, but it's essential for our private devotion to take priority over our public shouts or cries. Jesus' followers focus. We focus on what's unseen rather than what's seen. Spiritual foundations are way more hidden than they are visible. And actually, if you flick a next chapter in this, Jesus begins to talk about a man, two men, who build houses, and one of them has strong foundations because they build on rock that lasts, and one of them builds on things that don't last. What are we building on? What are the foundations of our lives? So, so what spiritual foundations, have I been mean, questioned, rhetorical, but what, what spiritual foundations are you building into your life right now? And I'm struck that in this passage there are some phrases that Jesus repeats again and again. When you give, when you pray, I'm struck by what's not there. It's not, you know, if you give, if you pray, these, seem, these things seem to be really basic ex- expectations for the people of God. When you, when you do it, and here's some instructions for when you do it. Jesus didn't say, you know, if you feel really, really, really led some Sunday and you get goosebumps in your arm, then just check if you've got any change left in your wallet. Okay, drop it in the plate on your way out. He didn't say, if time permits you and you finish the box set, then grab a few minutes to pray before you close your eyes that night. He didn't say, if there was enough money in the bank or if there was enough hours in the day. He, it was about when for Jesus, not if. And, you know, I think sometimes we set far too high a bar for people outside the church coming into the church. But if I'm honest, I worry that sometimes we, including me, set too low a bar for people who are in the church. Jesus was just sat in a bar here that was common and normal for ordinary Jesus followers. When we give and pray, do it like this. Foundations are laid before the rest of the house gets built. And so too with our life as a Christian. You know, at times I, I think we can think, how can we do the dramatic thing for God? And we're not even doing the foundational bit for him First. Jesus calls us to building spiritual foundations. So as I receive my paycheck, is my bank account built on a solid foundation of generosity? Because Jesus says, when I give, when I give, do it generously, not conspicuously. As I start my day, as it being built on a solid foundation of prayer, because Jesus tells me that when I pray, I need to do it in privacy and not for publicity. And whenever I was growing up, the heady days of the Christian nineties, I've told you about DC Talk. Um, I'm also going to tell you about a prayer meeting that I used to attend in my church. It was on a Wednesday night and I kind of thought that's what I should do and so I went along now and again to a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night and sometimes people prayed publicly and that was great to kind of join in with their prayers but there's always just one lady who prayed and you could never hear her. You know, she was like, I don't know whether she was shy or just had a lower voice, you know, I don't know, lower voice? No, she didn't have a lower voice. But, you know, I don't know whether, just couldn't hear. She kind of mumbled and she was maybe nervous and and we could never hear. So she kind of heard this almost whisper in the corner of the room and then that was it, finished. And I was thinking, I have no idea. So I remember on the way home one night uh, complaining to my dad and saying, you know, it's okay, that prayer meeting, it's good to kind of chat to people and listen to some older people pray, but, you know. See, when she prayed, there's no point in her praying. <laughs> there's absolutely just no point in her doing it because none of us can hear it. And he did laugh about it. And we kind of both laughed. And he goes, but that's okay, son, <laughs> because she wasn't praying to you. <laughs> I thought it was, go- it was a good point, Dad. You've got me there. Checkmate. But you see, the words, you know, the words that Jesus is saying here is you're not doing it for an audience. You're not doing it for someone else. She wasn't impressing me, but she wasn't doing it to impress me. She wasn't praying to me because I couldn't do the, the things that she was asking Jesus to do. I couldn't do them. And she, she knew who she was praying to. These words of Jesus aren't just about the foundations of our lives. They're not just about how we pray. They're about our hearts. And I think when addressing hypocrisy, it will be so easy to focus on actions today. Even words, but actually what about the heart? Later on in Matthew, 10 chapters later, Jesus tells his followers, out of the overflow of our hearts, our mouths will speak. So if we want our mouths to speak well, what's going into our hearts? Because what overflows from it, it's a scary thought by the way, because what's in our hearts actually comes out, it overflows. So actually, for Jesus' followers, it's about letting our heart shape our hands. So just a couple of questions, and we'll move on to the third F. I'm sure you can't wait to know what it is. Uh, can, can my heart be shaped? Can my heart be shaped more so that my hands become more generous? Can my heart be ruled by God so that prayers pour out of my lips? You know, not just like, let's set aside the time. No, can my heart be ruled so that prayers pour forth from it as a natural overflow? Can my heart be trained to not desire the spotlight and praise of others and prioritize a secret place with him? Because I believe, of course I believe I'm a Christian. I believe God wants to change our hearts. But I believe he wants to rule in our hearts as well. Not just change them once but ruling them constantly. So what spiritual foundations are you building your life on? Fallen foundations and drum roll future, uh, future. Lastly, Jesus is promising his followers something in the future, okay? These aren't just commands. Do this, do this, do this, okay? And you're all gonna be good. He gives us a promise. Look at verse six, or, or if you're following along, look at verse six, and if not, I'll read it. Uh, Jesus says this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who's on Saying That sounds like an instruction. Wait for the promise. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's a promise. So, so Jesus is saying that there's going to be a reward in the future for those who honor Jesus in this way. And you know, as I was preparing this, I, I, I began thinking that earthly praise, the praise that we get on earth, okay, which might be nice, but at times might also be a bit hollow, okay, the earthly praise is some people's full reward. There are some people living on earth and that's, the, that's, that's their full reward. That's it. Think about that. Well, Jesus is saying those who follow and honor Jesus have a reward that is still to come. Jesus says in verse 5, Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And then in contrast, he says, Your Father who sees what is done in secret in the next verse will reward you. Do you see it? If you don't follow Jesus, the rewards of this life are as good as it gets. But if you do follow Jesus, this life is as bad as it gets the rewards of the future are better. And so in my life, I need to continue to choose things of eternal significance, not just of earthly value now. You know, good looks fade. Didn't always look like this. You know, they, they fade, okay. Earthly praise doesn't last. Social media likes have no value. Ever. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, great reputation might be helpful in this life. It might help us get a, an interview <laughs> or, or a job, but it does nothing in our future one. It's an upside-down kingdom, and that's the beauty of this Sermon on the Mount. It's an upside-down kingdom because many of the principles Jesus shared were were things that were just twisted or upside-down. You know, principles like walk an extra mile when customs dictated that one mile was enough. Teachings where giving was encouraged but not to be announced. A kingdom where love extends not just to our neighbors but to our enemies. An upside-down kingdom where meekness is actually a virtue and being cursed brings a blessing and poverty gets rewarded. Why? Because in all of these things I've just mentioned, they speak about a future kingdom that's better than any present kingdom. As I begin to draw to a close, you know, as I watched the reaction on social media, I think a couple of weeks ago in the news, um, and even in conversations with my neighbours about the pre-Mark fire, I was struck by the tragedy of it in a couple of ways. Firstly, and most immediately, the obvious tragedy of potential job loss and and business damage and financial ruin and the threat to people's livelihood and the knock-on effect of even worry and anxiety in the midst of that. But as people mourn the loss of a beautiful building and a stunning building that it was, is I was also struck by the temporal nature of all that's around us. Yes, it was a beautiful building, but stuff fades. Things get destroyed. Buildings get demolished. People die. And, and yet the kingdom of God is the only thing that remains Forever. It's a biblical promise. and So we can look. Yes, we are fallen. And yes, we can try to build foundations now. But we live for a kingdom that's in the future. And it starts now. And we're part of it now. And we don't have to wait. But it's a future kingdom. And it's a future promise. And so we stand on the firm foundation of the only one who's ever lived in this world and wasn't fallen. He's the foundation. The only one whose body was broken but he lived forever, lives forever. He promises us a future reward. And, and because of that, I choose to take up service of him and devotion to him in the present, even when that means obscurity, even when that means hiddenness, even if that means people don't know what we've done or how we've done it or how we've given or how we've prayed. I will not boast in anything no gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. It's a song we sing. Um, How Deep a Father's Love it's not by DC Talk. But uh, it's a song we sing. And I was thinking about that in the, in the run-up to today. And I was thinking, what's the alternative to that hymn or song? What, what would be the alternative of that? I will boast in everything. My gifts, my power, my wisdom. And I will miss out or ignore or neglect Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. What are you boasting in? Who am I? Who are you boasting in? Because I think we need to make sure that the stuff we boast in are things that are going to last. Things that are going to live forever. Or be of eternal significance rather than earthly value. I will not boast in anything. That's a bold claim. No gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. We're going to